Daniel, welcome to the Bitcoin Source. Can we start things off by having you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, well, thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, and like I was just saying at the beginning, before we hit record, thank you for uh, stepping up and contributing to the space in the best way that you feel that you can. Uh, we need as many voices, as many writers, as many singers, songers, dancers that we can talking about Bitcoin. So one more is always welcome. Uh, and thank you for having me on the show. Uh, my name is Daniel Prince. I host the Once Bitten podcast. I started that back in January of 2020. And since then, I've interviewed over 300 people from around the world uh, in the Bitcoin space. Or what's happening recently now, um, I've been interviewing people outside of the Bitcoin space where I think there's a, a heavy overlap, uh, especially with health and nutrition and another very um, uh, important subject close to my heart, uh, the education system and uh, how and why people should be opting out of that and, and choosing uh, a different path for their, their families and their kids. Uh, so that's me in a nutshell, other than I used to work in foreign exchange with fiat currencies all day long, had no idea what a fiat currency was, I just knew it paid me a wage. Uh, so falling down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and looking back on my 18-year career in financial markets has been a bit of a uh, self-discovery process and has, I mean, it, it helped me understand, I suppose, a lot of what was going on behind the scenes when I started to start understanding what is happening with Bitcoin. So, yeah, as they say, nothing's a waste of time. Uh, you know, all of these different experiences that we have in life all lead you somewhere for some reason at the right time. And here we are. This is the right time. This is the time for Bitcoin to start flourishing. We just need more people to be educated about it. And conversations like these and the ones that you have are going to go a long way to helping people. So thank you for having me on. Thank you. I'm humbled and honored. And, you know, there was a lot to unpack there. But one of the main things that I definitely want to talk about is, you know, when we go back to the earliest days of like when you discovered Bitcoin, um, when you were orange pilled, like, were there any people that inspired you early in the game? I mean, I know you're connected with Michael Saylor and you have been on the Bitcoin conferences and you've done so many huge things in the ecosystem. But, you know, when you were a humble pleb, like, were there any people that kind of really sparked your curiosity to get started into Bitcoin? Yeah, the the, the first I, I'd heard about Bitcoin a handful of times and just completely blown them off like everybody else, uh, especially in my line of work where I was consumed all day. Uh, every day chained at my desk looking at foreign exchange uh, prices, you know, dollar yen, euro yen, uh, euro dollar, and just completely consumed by that world. So I knew when people started talking about Bitcoin, I, I kind of, my my default, like nonsense mindset was this is internet geek money, and it's going to go absolutely nowhere. And these guys are all going to get wrecked. Uh, so it took me a long time after I'd left my, my career, uh, in the financial markets and started traveling with my wife and kids. I used that time to start searching for alternative investment opportunities. And that was very, uh, it was lucky for me that that point came as real vision were launching their platform. And I was uh, a friend of the founder, the co-founder, Grant Williams. 
Uh, so Grant Williams and Raoul Powell founded Real Vision and they started touring around the world and having very long form, in-depth conversations with legends in many people's eyes, even mine in those days of the hedge fund industry and other, you know, parts of the financial world markets. And I was blown away by that kind of content and I really enjoyed it. And there'd been nothing like that up until that point. It all been kind of two minute sound bites on CNBC, Squawk Box and all of this kind of stuff. You never got that full depth. Like, you know, how are these people thinking? Why are they thinking that way? And what led them to think that way? And I remember asking Grant, are you ever going to do anything on this Bitcoin stuff? Because it, I thought it was dead. I didn't know anything about it. And it just kept coming back like the phoenix from the flames that it is. And he said, funnily enough, Princey, yes, we've got some episodes dropping in a few weeks' time. Just make sure you look out for them. And sure enough, the the, the interviews then were with uh, Juancesa Cesares, uh, Tura de Mista, Trace Mayer. They're the ones I remember. I think there are a few more. And that just all of a sudden, oh, my God, why have I been ignoring this thing? Because they were so eloquent in the way they spoke. And they weren't the, what I expected, like typical nerdy uh, internet basement dwelling geek talking about their internet tokens. This was something completely different. So I had to start learning more. I, and I couldn't stop, as many people know when they fall into the rabbit hole. You just cannot stop. Then I found Andreas, and that's when uh, my understanding really started to to take off uh him giving out um th those those speeches in his early days i was finding all of those going back finding them on youtube and following that and i bought his books uh the internet of money uh, and yeah watching andreas um on those videos i still go back and watch them now to these days uh like that they're, they're, they're brilliant they're so good to go back and watch and that was a very big part of my orange pilling journey. I'm trying to think of others. Yeah, I've mentioned I've mentioned that the, the main handful that were around in those days, um, and I wasn't even really on Twitter at that point. I mean, I was, but you know, following Premier League and just other fiat nonsense stuff, the bread and circuses. Uh, so I guess it must have been around 17 when we had all of the uh, the initial coin offering complete nightmare and the, the ridiculous bull run that came with that. I started paying more attention to what people were saying on Twitter and, you know, for whatever people think Twitter is good or bad, you cannot take away the fact that the amount of Bitcoin knowledge that has been shared on that platform, the amount of maxis that have been forged on Twitter, I think it will always be remembered as a very fundamental uh, learning tool, learning platform for people to share ideas, sharpen their ideas, uh, meet people, uh, form alliances, uh, form businesses. People have found business partners on Twitter, um, specifically on Bitcoin Twitter. But what a place as well to release your your writing and. Uh, as we got into 2018, 19, you had some longer form articles being written uh, that were being 
first of all, just put that put out there on Twitter. Hit this link, and it'll take you to Medium. And then, my God, you're getting blown away by all of this incredible content. Uh, so you know whether that was Bitstein's early writing um, over at the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute, or whether it was Breedlove dropping, you know, Money Masters of Slaves and Money, uh, which was another one, or Bitcoin is Zero, or Derjiji, any of his pieces. Every single day, it become more and more easy to find the signal without having to sift through the noise. You know, you, you weren't reliant on mainstream media bullshit crypto articles where you, you'd read them and you'd come away more confused. With this group of people on Bitcoin Twitter and the following that they were garnering and the education that they were putting out there, it was such a huge step forward for all of us. Um, and it inspired lots of other people as well, because then you've got people like Spetsy come out of nowhere and he, you know, he would start writing and sharing his thoughts and you're like, oh, wow. Okay. And then Safe's book drops in, when was that? Back end of 18, early 19, uh, the Bitcoin standard blows everybody's mind. And then, um, Andy Edstrom, you know, he drops why buy Bitcoin from the, the point of view of a, an ex wall street bro. So that book for me was very pivotal again, because like, ah, here's somebody from my old world writing about Bitcoin in the way I understand it. But then he could layer on top of that. And then Nick Bartia layered money. I mean, all the books are over there on the back of, uh, on the back of the bookshelf here. Um, a, a real avalanche of people have, you know, come forward and put their voice and their thoughts to this. And it's, uh, such an incredible space to be and um yeah i'm just thankful to be able to to help the ecosystem in the in the best way that i can yeah and i couldn't agree more with that daniel and i just think that you know a lot of the people that are getting into bitcoin they really are trying to grasp an understanding and avoid casting aspersions about what this asset is and i just absolutely enjoy hearing you rattle off so many books so many writers in the space when i got in in 2017 I didn't take it as serious as I do now, but the real pivotal moment for me was when Alex Gladstein dropped his article, Bitcoin is a Trojan Horse. When that article dropped and I read that on Bitcoin Mag, that implored me to start writing on my own for Bitcoin Magazine and some of these other platforms. And, you know, it's just beautiful to see so many people really understand, especially now with all the banking insolvencies that we're seeing and the price shooting up right now. I think a lot of people are really getting that orange pill, that hardcore orange pill about where this thing is going and that you cannot really trust banking industries. You can't trust um, an intermediary to hold your store of value. And I think that that's the hard pill that a lot of people are learning right now. Yeah, absolutely. And look how quick people learn nowadays. You know, class of, I was blown away by class of 2020 because everybody was in lockdown and, and whatever else, but all this, that was a palpable shift. You could feel the shift even on Twitter. You're like, whoa, there's an explosion of Bitcoin maxis and there's an explosion of understanding and there's an explosion of new people coming in, but the new people were up to speed so damn quick. What took us like four or five years to grapple with, they were getting it in four or five months. It was unbelievable. And Sailor's a perfect example of that. 
perfect example because he'd seen it early days in 2013 and dismissed it just like everybody else. But then COVID comes around March, 2020, he goes into lockdown and he's got that melting ice cube as he, uh, $50 million sitting on his balance sheet. He went from March, 2020 to September and then 20 million. And, um, yeah, what was the first $20 million? I think was the first buy. And then the rest of the month after, <laughs> unbelievable, an unbelievable descent into the rabbit hole, especially when you think how many months he would have had to have dragged the board down the rabbit hole with him to get that clearance. I know he had the majority of voting rights, but he still would have had to have got the board up to speed as well. So, oh my God, I mean, that might have taken him two months of begging and pleading and just shoving content down their necks. That's how quickly he got it. But there are other people out there, a personal friend of mine, we had a, we had a, uh, I've had a few personal friends, had a few phone calls. A few weeks later, they're like, oh yeah, we're all in. I'm thinking about remortgaging the house. <laughs> what? Wait, it's, so that is a testament to the amount of quality educational resources are out there now and um books articles podcasts youtube videos they're all there and and this is what is really going to speed things up and and people do get they get hung up on the wrong price metric because they're looking at the amount of dollars per bitcoin like, oh wow okay and they're just transfixed on that because they haven't made that mental mind shift yet into mm, that doesn't matter i'm not going i, I I need to switch my unit of account into Bitcoin rather than in dollars. Uh, but if, if we just look at the amount of people that join the network every day, that number never goes down. Ever. Every single day, more people are going to join the network. So if you just base your investment theory on that, you will find conviction a lot quicker. Basing your investment theory on just understanding that number go up technology is exponential you will really quickly find that Bitcoin is the solution to a lot of your problems. And I really wanted to talk about something that I think that you did was major and super impactful for people, even if they're not aware of it, which was your journey to Madeira. And the interesting thing is, is that I had Knut on this show and we had a conversation, a very in-depth conversation. Please check out that episode. But he was actually in Madeira at the time, uh, you know, filming that, that documentary when we had the conversation. And Knut is one of the smartest people I've ever met in Bitcoin. He's so insightful and humble and just super giving. He has no problem giving you a shirt off his back. And I wanted to ask you, Daniel, like, what was it like trying to convince the president of Madeira to get onto um, a Bitcoin standard on that island? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I didn't realize you were interviewing him when we were all there. That that's that's funny. Okay. Um, yeah. And a big shout out to Canute. I echo everything that you just said there. And sorry, Canute, I didn't include your name in that list of books that I was mentioning uh, because they again were a brilliant uh, resource for uh, my own thinking. And Canute was one of the very early guests on my show, and we've become very very good friends. Um, so the whole uh, the whole way this came about that the story of uh, the president of Madeira goes back to uh, about February or March of last year when Andre Loja, a, a Madeiran pleb, 
had contacted me separately about something, another issue. He wanted to translate my book um, into Portuguese. So my book is called Choose Life. And it's nothing about Bitcoin. It's about how my wife uh, and I escaped the, the Fiat hamster wheel and took our kids out of school and started traveling the world and discovered world schooling and self-directed education and how we traveled for two and a half years via the sharing economy and how I wasn't broke and living under a bridge is basically how that book goes. And it's just uh, a tool for people to, to think differently about, hmm, maybe I could do it as well if these guys did it. So the book was out there. Andre had listened to the show, then he'd read the book and he wanted to translate that book into Portuguese so other Portuguese families, speaking families could, um, you know, learn from it. So we'd agreed for him to do that and everything. I was more than happy. I didn't want any contract or any money for it. And I just go, like, go with it. I'll send you the manuscript and uh, good luck. You know, translating a book is very difficult work. So he called me, no, he texted me about two weeks later saying, holy shit, Daniel, call me straight away. Okay, I got the message. He said, yeah, I just had a meeting with the president of Madeira. He came to my co-working space. And he was walking around the co-working space and he was saying to me, how do we get more entrepreneurs? How do we bring in more businesses? How do we bring in more digital nomads? How can we push forward, uh, you know, business in the island? We can't just rely on tourism. And so Andre said, well, you start need to accepting Bitcoin and we've got to start educating people about Bitcoin on the island. And the president said, okay, invite whoever you want to Madeira and they can come and, and meet with us and uh, explain to us the reason why we should focus on Bitcoin. Uh, so he, <laughs> he panicked when he got that, that positive response from the president. And he wanted just to bounce some ideas off of me of, of who we should fly in and, and, and get to speak with him. So we got hold of uh, Samson Mao and uh, he was going to get hold of a few other people and fly in and have you know, the meeting and the, the presentation. But there was a clash of, there was a conflict of schedules and that, that ended up not working out. So Andre's second idea was, well, should we take the president to Miami to meet some people at the conference so he can actually get a feel that this thing is for real because they were expecting like 25,000 people to show up. So we pitched that idea to the uh, the organizers, to Bitcoin Magazine. They fell off their chairs and like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yes, of course, please bring him. So um, Miguel, the president, he he accepted the invitation and he brought his, uh, his cabinet with him, he um, chief of staff, and the guy who is the head of the International Business Center there uh, based on Madeira. So the, th the three of them flew over and I arranged to have them meet Michael Saylor uh, for breakfast because we figured if anybody can orange pill anyone, it's going to be Saylor. So he graciously accepted and we went along and had breakfast with him and he spent 45 minutes orange pilling. It was the most amazing orange pilling session I've ever seen. Uh, the president and his... Um, his two staff members on the importance of pushing out the right education to the people of Madeira 
not making it legal tender, not making any laws or anything like that, just concentrate on the education. And it was after that meeting that the president decided, he spoke with Andre and said, when we get back, we're, we need to set up an organization. You guys can set up a, a nonprofit organization and that will be part funded by the government. Uh, you will have to find some private funding as well. And then this is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to roll out this educational program, which was great because they already had consensus network on the island who are translating as many books as they can, Bitcoin books into as many different languages as they can, uh, primarily, obviously Portuguese. So there's already a big education aspect there. And then Andre um, organized with the president to have other Bitcoiners fly into the island and meet with the other departments of, uh, of the government, which Miguel wanted to have touch points with Bitcoin as well. So that included like the tourist board that included the energy company that included the uh, the minister of finance that included uh, an investment firm and just recently i was back and we met some um, private enterprises uh, a big construction company and we also met with uh, the brewery company and also met with the golf course uh, so all of these things are slowly being pulled together and it, again it's important for people who are listening to understand that it is a grassroots initiative completely focused on education. In any way, shape or form that education might come, including uh, trying to source some Bitcoin ATM machines to have put in, um, you know, probably downtown in Funchal, maybe at the airport, where people just have a net touch point and they can use and go and play with it. There's a big uh, population living abroad, either in uh, Venezuela, for example, even in the US, even in Miami, there's a lot of Madeiran people living in Miami. So remittances would be a, another great way to help people understand uh, the educational part of, uh, of, of Bitcoin, of, of how you can transfer money to each other and keep all of that value without going through, you know, the, the legacy financial rails. Uh, so meetups are held there the first Friday of every month and um, everybody is welcome. It's free and open to anybody to come and learn about Bitcoin. And each month there's some kind of different topic. Uh, they did, I think two months ago, they got everybody there downloading a, a wallet of Satoshi or a moon wallet and, you know, passing Bitcoin around in a circle so everybody could get a feel of how it worked. And, you know, th this thing is not going to happen in a day. It's going to happen over the course of the next few years. But over the course of the next few years, I think in two or three years time, what will be going on there? There will be a Bitcoin commons, uh, very much like what's been set up in um, Tennessee and Austin, where you will have a, a big building completely geared up to attract entrepreneurs. They'll be running the meetups out of there. They'll be running uh, accelerators out of there. They'll be running um, courses out of there, whether that's, uh, you know, leveraging courses that were already out that we can just use and plug in, or whether that is inviting people to come onto the island and, and run your own course, you know, do a coding course, do a development course, do, you know, the, 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 there are so many ideas that slowly but surely uh, it will hopefully become 
uh, a place where Bitcoiners can go and meet and build uh, together. And um, I think it's, I think the timing is perfect. Uh, we all suffered greatly during lockdowns and many Bitcoiners around the world are looking for other options of, of where they should be setting their family up, where they're going to be safest and um, where they can be just more around around more bitcoiners you know just watching the documentary i always was just inspired to see you guys go down there and kind of change the world and one thing i was always curious about and i don't know how much you can speak to this but um i've always been curious about like the economics of the island of course you know i don't know if tourism is how they really make their bread and butter or remittances like you said but i was always thinking about gold especially having like jeff booth down there and you know kind of talking about the economics sector of, of the island I wanted to know from you, Daniel, like, why didn't they just, you know, have the central bank send them more money or just buy gold from Portugal on leverage? Or there's so many other ways that they, they could have kind of used this to kind of arbitrage their economics or their economy on the island. And just to have Bitcoin be an option, I think is huge. So my question is, like, you know, why are gold bugs wrong about, you know, having, quote unquote, bars of gold or bullion on your balance sheet? instead of having something like Bitcoin, which I think is a paradigm shifting um, technology. Yeah, so the, they are still part of the uh, the EU and they are, the, so they're semi-autonomous from the mainland of Portugal. So on the mainland of Portugal, you have um, you have the opposing party in, in charge, for example. So Madeira, they do have their own election, uh, which is, go is ongoing at the moment. So it looks as though President Miguel Albuquerque is going to win again. Uh, so, you know, that's not going to upset his his vision of helping um, people understand what Bitcoin is. But as far as him being able to put anything like gold or Bitcoin or any other kind of assets on the balance sheet of um, of the Madeiran purse uh, is impossible. He's just not, he just can't do it. Um, so tourism is their number one method of, of income. Uh, they do have the International Business Center there where uh, a lot of foreign comp uh, foreign companies can list their business within Madeira uh, at a, um, a much lower corporate tax rate. So a lot of shipping companies, for example, will, will sail under the Madeiran flag because they'll be listed in Madeira. Um, but yeah, that his his whole reasoning for the the Bitcoin, um, again I don't want to say the word adoption, it's not the right word. Uh, it it's for he yeah, it's for the people for the citizens of the island to understand the necessity, so that they can start interacting with it and putting it on their own personal family balance sheets rather than it be a top-down order effect like we're now stacking bitcoin as the government of madeira that's never going to happen i don't see any way that could happen unless some of the government-owned um entities started accepting bitcoin for their services for example the electric company if they started accepting bitcoin for their services then i, I guess you're de facto stacking Bitcoin onto the uh, the balance sheet of the treasury, but we're still a long, long way away from that as well. And we're still a long way from uh, the president himself being completely orange-pilled. You know, he, he 
he gets that this is going to be a first mover advantage for his island and for his people if we can get people up to speed and actually picking up the books and listening to the speeches and watching the pods. Um, otherwise, there's, there's no other way to, um, to force it. It's got to happen naturally. But you've got to put the tools in front of people so they can actually use them. Thank you for that transparency because when I watched the documentary, um, my mind, my, my Bitcoin mind, I'm like, yes, they're going to they're gonna fully make Bitcoin legal tender. They're going to put it on their balance sheet. You know, they're going to roll out a digital wallet and everybody's just going to use it. And that's going to be another um, conduit or place, you know, outside of El Salvador or car where people can actually go. I mean, they still can, obviously, but of course, we didn't see the inner workings of all that stuff in the documentary. So thank you, Daniel, for clearing up, you know, and letting people know, like, tourism is their main form of income. And, it, you know, we implore people to check out the documentary, check out Madeira, visit the country see for yourself how beautiful the island is and what they're working on as far as a Bitcoin educational rollout. Mm -hmm. It's still very difficult to even spend Bitcoin there. This is how early it is. Uh, so, but that's why we need more plebs to go because the more plebs that go and the more plebs that keep asking, can I buy my coffee with Bitcoin? Can I buy my beer with Bitcoin? So we, when I, when we were there, we were there just uh, four weeks ago. Uh, I managed to, find well just by you know the plebs that live there it's like okay where can i go get coffee where can i go get a haircut where can i go it's like okay this place this place this place and you go and support that is so important because now all of a sudden you're just a random dude that's walking into a hairdresser's in the middle of freaking nowhere right you you're not it's not in a part of the touristy area at all and like why are you here because i know you accept bitcoin and then you see their eyes, you see that they completely change. They're like, oh, really? Like, yeah, my friend told me that you accept Bitcoin. So I'm here for a haircut with my son. We're here on holiday, but we did not get holiday haircuts because I knew that I was going to come here and use your hairdressers so that we could pay you with Bitcoin. And he was touched and humbled and more people doing that. And then actually, Canute did it three days three days later because he was on the island again at the same time. So those touch points for him are massive because he had another business, which he's now going to go and start accepting Bitcoin in that business. And then he's going to be telling his friends and family, like these crazy dudes, they come from all over the place. They're still tourists, but they want to spend Bitcoin. And that's what we, that's the message we need to keep sending to these merchants because it might take five or six touch points for them to even consider it but when they do there's a maya coffee which is right downtown in funchal it's almost like a mecca now in madeira every bitcoiner has to go and get a coffee from there just because they know they saw i think it was joe hall uh he did it first when we were all in madeira um having these meetings he got he asked the guy if he would accept bitcoin he said yes, he got out his phone, made the thing, put it on Twitter, bam. Now, every time somebody goes there, they do the same thing. So this guy's getting free marketing from plebs and getting people through the door that just want to spend Bitcoin. And it's, it's changed his way of thinking completely. Uh, and so baby steps, that's, that's, that's what it is, but it will happen. And, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look a lot different in a few years' time.
Yes. And that's the beauty of a circular economy. Right. And, you know, speaking of travel, speaking of, you know, going to Madeira and you just having these these great experiences kind of traveling all over the world. I wanted to ask you something that I know you're passionate about, which is your your family and traveling with your family. And, you know, do you believe traveling the world with your family is teaching your kids about low time preference? Yeah. Um, I think traveling the world with your family or doing any kind of uh, long trip, even if it's just around your own home country with your family, is, is essential to uh, learning so many things so many things but teaching them about low time preference yeah in particular uh i think so um nothing happens that quickly when you're traveling especially if you're on a long journey you know you, you have to be patient to get to the destination and then when you obviously get to the destination you have the amazing time and you get the amazing experiences and all of that other fun stuff uh and you also have to delay gratification because you know you're you're not living on the hamster wheel anymore so you can't just order whatever you want whenever you want uh, from Amazon and you, you can't just pop down to the uh the local fast food place and you know blow 50 euros on takeaway food that's not even going to nutritionally enhance anybody's life. <laughs> you have to start changing everything and they see that. Uh, and this is what, this is what's so amazing about kids when they, they learn from example. And as long as they are around you, your, their parents, uh, more rather than less, um, they will learn the habits and the lessons that you are passing down. Uh, so I would say, yeah, for sure. And it, again, it depends on the way that you travel. Uh, some people are traveling around the world and on a boat, I can't imagine the low time preference that would uh, instill in somebody sitting on an ocean all day, staring at the stars at night. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that, Daniel. Cause you know, you inspire me. Like, you know, I only have one child, my daughter, she's two years old. So, you know, I've done a lot of traveling, you know, I've had the benefit and the opportunity to travel to large swaths of the planet, you know, Canada, Africa, the Caribbean. So I've been able to kind of go around and move around. And I really want to have my daughter have those similar experiences. So I look to people such as yourself to kind of get that inspiration and that motivational courage to, you know, make sure that my child is, is worldly and understands different cultures and different contexts and, um, you know, different experiences that will help her to be a better human being. And I think that uh, Bitcoin is helping people do that as well, because, for example, like Madeira and El Salvador, kind of forcing people to travel outside of the U.S. or Canada, kind of have a different experience, taste different foods, you know, have a peer-to-peer -peer economy or transaction with somebody that might not speak the native language as you. And I think that all of these things are combined to really help people have a, a overall understanding of, you know, that we're all human beings. We all, um, you know, have emotions and love and we all want to be free and have freedom money. So I think Bitcoin is definitely helping people um, you know, get to that on that front. Yeah, it opens their minds as well so much and um, takes away a lot of fears uh, from, you know, what, what do you generally each day you just see fear, 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 fear pumped at you out of the television screen. And that's what keeps people rooted to the spot. Uh, when you actually get out there and you take the kids out and they travel and they hear different languages, they 
they're not scared of them. They're not afraid of them because they've, they're like, oh, right, yeah, okay, whatever. I remember when I was two, three, four, five, then we would go somewhere and a dude was speaking a different language. It's not a, it's not a big deal. Uh, so having them open to those kind of experience very, very early, and food is another great one, uh, because the smell that comes with that as well and, and the texture and the taste and the cultural stories behind uh, why that food specifically uh, is um, is so good and it's it's really held our kids in in very good stead. Uh, so they are very open minded. They love meeting new people. They're they're not afraid to interact with new people or, or try new things. And that is such a such a gift that you can give to um, you know a human being, especially a child. I couldn't agree more, and that's that's my goal to, uh, you know, stack as much Bitcoin as I can and be able to travel the world freely and educate people on Bitcoin and podcast is just the start of that. And Daniel, you know, what I wanted to ask you is, you know, there's a halving coming up in 2024. So, you know, what would be your call to action for the class of 2024 now getting into Bitcoin and are learning about this? <laughs> uh, keep learning. That is the first most important step keep learning um invest slowly uh because that will help that will help you uh dive deeper into the uh, into the topic because all of a sudden you've got the skin in the game uh and you have got something to protect but don't get over your skis don't go crazy and just drop in like half your life savings uh, immediately that would just be suicide set up a deliberate plan whether you can do that daily daily would be brilliant x amount per day just stack away and read every day and listen to something every day and what you will find is after a few weeks of doing that you'll be comfortable upping that daily stack uh, and you'll start cutting other things out of your life so that you can do that uh, you know, at a, at a greater rate, then you'll get to the point where you're like, ah, oh, God damn that guy. Why didn't I just go in all in at the time? Why did I listen to that advice? Because you would have felt as though you've missed, uh, the great big run up, but then invariably we have an 80% drawdown. So just, just stick with the, the dollar cost average idea, uh, until you've done at least one cycle and people think that, Oh my God, one cycle, that's four years. What you want me just to like, you know, take it slow for four years and l learn as much as I can and not go all in. And you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do. Because after four years, you'll have so much more of a rounded idea and a rounded picture of where this thing really is going and what it really can mean for you and your family that you do have to take it very, very slowly and deliberately. And, you know, self-custody as well. How did I forget? So dollar cost average, so learn dollar cost average and self-custody, the lot, as soon as you can, onto a hardware wallet or a signing device, whatever you want to call it. There are many, many out there. Do your own research. That comes with the learning. Um, and then, yeah, keep it very, very safe for, you do that for two or three cycles, you're going to be, you're going to be golden. You're going to be in such a commanding place. Uh, and if you can build a business alongside that at the same time, 
or accept Bitcoin into your business if you have your own business or get paid in Bitcoin if you can just switch your wage into Bitcoin, which you can with Bitwage. Just go to bitwage.com or bitwage.io, check, check which one, and uh, just open an account with them and say, each month I want 5, 10, 15, 20% switched into Bitcoin. Um, that's the way to, to really get stacking quickly and efficiently. Uh, yeah, and like I say, three cycles is 12 years. It sounds like a long time, but it really isn't. Not if that 12 years is going to unlock the rest of your living days for you to do whatever it is that you want and spend the time with whoever you want to spend the time with and build the goods and services that you believe that the market truly needs and desires. Um, then you, yeah, you, that's your way off the hamster wheel. You know, Bitcoin is not a get rich quick scheme. It's an earn your freedom deliberately scheme. And this is the way to do it. And if it's just 12 years, then yeah, lower your, lower your time preference. Powerful words from Daniel Prince, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, I just think I'm just so inspired. I'm so humbled and grateful to have this conversation with you, Daniel. I think that, you know, you are a beacon in this ecosystem. And I think a lot of people can learn a lot from you and be inspired by you. I know I definitely am. But before we go, could you give people your social media handles any future endeavors that you might want people to know about yeah absolutely and thank you for the kind words i appreciate that and thank you for what you're doing uh you can find me at princey sov that's store of value and um you can reach out in dms dms are open uh the book that i referenced earlier choose life is found on consensus network uh that's with a k and if you use forward slash bitten and if you use the code Bitten at checkout, you get 10% discount on that or any book for, for that fact, if you're going to start your learning journey. Uh, and if you pay via the Lightning Network, you will get a, a further 10% discount on all of your purchases. So Consensus Network is a great place to go and buy your books for yourself or for your friends and family. And like I said earlier, they have you know a great list of different languages there. And uh, Knut's books are on there as well. So... You can go and uh, lift some of those. But uh, yeah, Twitter is probably the best place still. Princey SOV. Thank you, Daniel Prince, for that insight. Once again, thank you for taking time to be on the Bitcoin Source, a Bitcoin conversation. Have a good one. Thank you so much for having me on, brother. Take care.